we had the farm bill go down in flames last week on first trial in the U.S. House. And I've heard from both sides now. I've heard the Republican line. I've heard the Democrat line. And I'm just, my head is still exploding. I still don't understand what's happening. And so to get the skinny on it, we got to go up to D.C. and get with the senior food and ag reporter at Politico, Helena Bottomiller-Evich. How are you, ma'am? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Just run along here. What? So we've heard all the angles we've heard all the talking points what happened why did the bill go down oh that is the question of the hour up here in the bubble um well i think uh if you step back and look at it the way the house has approached the farm bill uh they made a decision to release a farm bill that included work requirements uh new work requirements for the food stamp program, which are extremely unpopular with Democrats, so they kind of knew they were going to have to go it alone with Republican support. So that decision really ended up giving the Freedom Caucus a lot of leverage, because if the Republicans are going to pass a farm bill with just Republican support, they need to be really united. And as we all know, Republicans have had these factions between, you know, moderate and conservatives. Uh, and we really saw that play out. The Freedom Caucus used their leverage uh, to force um, immigration votes in June. So it was a play to expedite the calendar on the Freedom Caucus's part. Yeah, they with the they, wall and everything else. They really want to make sure they get a vote on a more conservative uh, immigration bill. Uh, that bill's not expected to to pass, but they want that vote because they're very nervous that moderates in the House are going to force a vote on um, on DACA. And I'm certainly no expert in all the details of the immigration infighting that's happening, but uh, they basically used the leverage that they had on this farm bill to force those issues onto the Okay, calendar. so what they wanted was the wall vote before DACA came to the... They want that vote before they used their leverage with the farm bill to make it happen. Is that well, yeah, they they want to vote on they want to vote on the Goodlatte immigration bill uh, before wait, wait, voting on what the did farm you call bill. it? What? It's what? the Goodlatte immigration bill. So folks are going to have to look that up because I am not an immigration okay. expert and I'm so, not up on all the specifics. But that's the they built. They want to vote on this bill, and what they did was say we have enough votes to withhold support on the farm bill. Okay, so mm-hmm. leadership kind of called their bluff and just held the vote anyway. Uh, and it went down, you know, we all know, 198 to 213. And I think the biggest question going forward is whether or not the Freedom Caucus uh, ends up rallying their members to support the Farm Bill after all this is Okay, um, Elena, tell me, in your mind, Ross Ramsey's on the show every week, and he has this great, he, he keeps it down the middle, so he doesn't do commentary. Ross Ramsey is the Texas Tribune. He doesn't do commentary. He calls it analysis. Okay, so that's I'm going to ask you to give an analysis. How many people about are in the Freedom Caucus in the U.S. House? Ooh, um, it varies. Yeah. I think 
it, so it's you know that it's, there's not really it's not a it's not official. We don't have an official count, mm-hmm. um, but there's a couple dozen. Okay, so um, but what you've laid not out, all of them identify publicly on whether or not they're in it. Yeah, it just how close to re-election they are. That's my own comment. But <laughs> so, but what you're saying is what I'm hearing in your analysis, Helena, is that it is a combination of Democrats and Freedom Caucus took down the farm bill. I think that is a is a fair assessment. Democrats were united in opposing this farm bill. Uh, the leadership knew they needed to have a united Republican Party to pass this bill, and they were unable to deliver that. Whether or not they can come back after this immigration vote and do that, I think is an open question. One fun fact for, for your listeners here, um, I went back through all the roll call votes for all the, I'm calling them modern farm bills since 1965, and a farm bill, farm don't pass the House with just one party. They usually have, um, you know, 20 Republicans joining Democrats or vice versa, or in some cases, overwhelming bipartisan majorities are passing these bills. So that's kind of the history of the farm bill. So trying to pass it with just Republicans only is, you know, kind of uncharted territory. And you had Chairman Conway even sort of saying that on Fox News right before the vote. I mean, it is it is not easy to pass a farm bill with just one party. Yeah, so, because you've traditionally always, and, you know, I've read Masters in it, you've read it, uh, but what you've had from the very beginning was conservative old guard from the South, agriculture states combining with the Hubert Humphreys, the Northeast liberals, the Northern liberals, to vote and pass these bills and that's the way that it's played out over time but i want to go back to this work requirement thing that that's a great issue to run on that you know if you don't work you don't eat you know people take that that scripture and do what they will with it in a political context but also who's defining work and who's defining the requirement and who's eligible and who's unable were those details laid out in a way, in your own analysis, in a sufficient way that it was cut and clear, people knew what the what the boundaries were there? Yeah, you're asking really good questions that I wish more in the media had asked. I mean, in terms of actually covering the details of what this bill um, would do. Um, basically, it, it imposes a 20-hour-a-week work requirement on on able-bodied adults between the ages of 18 and 59. So able-bodied means you haven't been determined to be disabled, you're not pregnant, um, you know, you're not elderly, there's many uh, sort of exemptions. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting, what counts as work? Um, it could be, you know, an hourly job, and you could fill out the paperwork that shows that you had 20 hours a week. Um, it could be a work training program. So some states have uh, training programs that help low-income folks like get skills so that they can get a job or get a better job. I mean, we forget that a lot of people who are working don't make enough money to get off SNAP, like they still qualify even when they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things the House bill actually did is it, um, it tried to eliminate community service from counting toward that requirement. And that is one thing that, um, some anti-hunger folks and some like community service advocates didn't, you know, didn't like that very much. That um, that community service wouldn't count. 
But these are all good questions, and the, the, the actual details of the proposal weren't really uh, debated very much. Uh, Democrats were just so upset about, about the proposal because the estimate is that some one million people would, um, would come off of SNAP as a result of these changes. So they just, they just don't think that that's fair. That's their, you know, that's their argument. So I am, I'm kindergarten whenever it comes to farm policy where you are like in your master's degree, but I know enough about it to know that it's counterintuitive that there would have been big food production folks from different sectors that probably jumped into this thing and said, no, 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 no. Like food that people are going to go home and cook tonight was produced by people who oppose this work requirement along with Democrats. Is that is that accurate to say? You mean did the farm lobby oppose the work requirement? Well, did the food lobby uh, and different like the oh, sugar lobby um, and the rice lobby and yeah. the grain lobby and every which way? Yeah, so snap politics is real interesting in that way that um, retailers for sure. Uh, do not like the idea of making um, the work requirements stricter or really just doing anything to make SNAP eligibility um, more strict. Yeah, they'll so, lose a million people. They, well, yeah, I mean, and, that, and the, there's um, a lot of research on how SNAP is a stimulus for a lot of these grocers, and actually a lot of rural and small grocers have kind of looked at this and gone, well, you know, this really could be um, a hit to business. So there is that, that element to it for sure. Um, it it is it's been interesting to watch because um, this debate really has been so polarized. And, you know, you have one on one hand, you have Democrats saying that this takes food out of mouths of babies, literally, and then you have you know Republicans on the other side who say you know SNAP's trapping people in poverty. I mean, the average person gets one hundred forty dollars a month, um, you know, in SNAP benefits, which helps them buy groceries. So I think on both ends of the spectrum, it's sort of people talking over each other. Yeah to be heard. Elena Bonamiller-Evich joining us here, Politico's senior food and ag reporter, one of my favorites. Appreciate you coming on, and I'm not getting, I'm not done yet. They say... Anytime. Well, hold on, I'll hold be on. back anytime. Yeah, yeah. Let's not close it off just yet. The, what I'm told is, even it had the House passed the bill, it would have never flown in the Senate, and that the Senate version would not fly in the House. Why is that? Both so, controlled by Republicans. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, so the, the Senate, uh, um, Senate Ag Chairman Pat Roberts has been very clear that he's not looking to do you know big reforms in the SNAP program around work. Um, and his message has been very clear on this. He just says, I need 60 votes. I need 60 votes to move a farm bill in the Senate. And he knows that um, there aren't 60 votes for work requirements on SNAP. And so that's why you're probably, I mean, everyone's expecting to see a bipartisan bill out of the Senate. Um, and then you raise a great question is when, let's say the House does pass its bill and the Senate passes its bill over there, bipartisan, when they come to conference those bills, what happens when that package goes back to the House? I mean, you really do end up having a, a situation where Democrats are going to either have to bail out the process or you're going to have to convince the folks on the right to accept a farm bill that doesn't likely doesn't include work requirements. So, you know, you're kind of going through this whole charade most likely again with a very different political account.
calculation. Okay. We've got a long road ahead of us. Either like no matter what happens in the house, it's going to be a long road. Okay, two quick ones before we get you off. And what the great thing about having a radio program, by the way, is that you can just get people on to do your homework for you, right? So we get to lean on. Yeah. So there were issues that I was following, like, and here I am. I'm licking my fingers. I'm about to throw a nasty curve at you. You ready? Oh, so no. the Rural <clears throat> Micro Entrepreneur Assistance Program, Value Added Producer Grants Program, Farmer Market and Local Food Promotion, all of these proposals that are existing right now would have been cut out in that farmer market and food promotion uh, local food promotion 150 million dollars would have been cut uh, and even rural energy and rural energy for america program 250 million dollars who in your mind helena is is articulating rural the most comes to the mic and this is what we need to be looking at or these programs we cannot cut these programs yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think in general, you kind of get at, um, you're kind of getting at one of the, the biggest problems with the farm bill. The farm bill is so big and mm-hmm. touches so many areas. I mean, land use, uh, environmental conservation, rural development, like yeah. just the, the renewable the energy. Breadth, <laughs> renewable energy, like the breadth of issues. It helps feed 40 million people a month. I mean, it's, it's so big that all these pieces that are, you know, $150 million, that's nothing to ignore, you know, but that has gotten very little attention, if any attention in this big, um, you know, in this, in this big bill. So in terms of what rural um, folks would like to see, I, I do think that sometimes gets lost. Um, you know, we've lost a lot of our um, local and regional papers or their staffs are you know, a shadow of what they used to be. So it's hard for a lot of these news outlets to go through a bill this big and figure out what the direct impact would be. Um, I mean, we struggle with doing it. We have a team of four people just on food and agriculture. So I think it's tough to really parse out the impact. Um, And this bill, it's just, it's a big bill. It impacts everyone. And the name Farm Bill is probably not doing it. Um, You know, it's not, it, it doesn't resonate with a lot of people. They don't think Farm Bill, oh, farmers market promotion and rural development and you know they might not think about those things yeah so Elena where does it go from here what's next in the process well the house has until June 22nd to reconsider the same bill so um, it seems likely that the house will do at least an immigration vote or two like I said I'm not as familiar with the mechanics of how that's shaking out but the thinking is they'll beat some immigration votes, then they'll bring up the farm bill again, and you know Chairman Conway um, and the Republican leadership are saying like it's going to pass. So that's their that's their goal. That's their um, their understanding of how this is going to go. And then around the same time, actually maybe even the week before, the Senate is expected to unveil its version. So then that process will start moving in the Senate, but. Like I said, we've got a little ways to go here, and the bill expires September 30th, so there's not a ton of time. In terms of Washington getting things done, that's not a lot of time. Yeah, lots of recesses between now and September 30th as well, I'm sure. Yes. Well, a hot summer coming up, and we've got Helena there in the swamp giving us the skinny on all this. I appreciate you taking time 
and uh, hope we hadn't pushed back any deadlines. Oh, happy to join you, thanks. Yeah. Well, you can check her work out there at politico.com. Thank you so much, ma'am. Yep. You're welcome. We'll talk to you soon.